This is Spin Control, a Fibercraft podcast by a joyful girl. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Spin Control, episode 125, present. This, of course, is your host, Shiloh. In this episode, I honestly have no idea what I'm going to talk about. I'm sure there will be some crafting. There will be some adventure. I'll have a story. And, of course, we are going to kick it all off with some updates. So I'm kind of playing this episode by ear. This episode is called present. Well, one, because you and I are both here. Um, And that's, sometimes that's as good as it gets, right? So I'm here, and I'm talking to you, and I actually am recording this episode on the date in which I set out to do so. So I'm pretty proud of myself in that respect. But life's a little crazy right now. So I'm recording this episode on July 29th, 2022. And um, um, on July 1st, my eldest brother's birthday... I was hanging out at his house, having some wine with him, celebrating him turning 55 years old with him and, you know, BSing and talking and, you know, just being together and hanging out. And my mom called to let us know that she was at the emergency room because she had broken her hip, right? So how stereotypically old woman is that? She broke her hip on my brother's birthday. So rude, right? But anyway, because I am the daughter... On the 3rd of July, 2022, I packed up, got on a plane, and headed out to northwestern Pennsylvania to aid in preparing her home for her return, um, making medical decisions as needed, and helping her through her rehabilitation. (laughs) So that's where I am, and that's where I've been for almost a month now. So it's been a bit of a struggle, but um, we're making it work. I miss my family. I miss my boy. I miss the alpaca. And other than that, we're getting along just fine. I feel pretty privileged and honored to be able to actually help my mom in this way. I feel blessed that we could, I could literally just pack up my job and come this way. So much has happened since last time we spoke. (laughs) Yeah, so like less than a month before, maybe two weeks before my mom broke her hip, I actually started a new position that is fully remote, doing pretty much the same thing I've always done, but with a new organization and in a fully remote status. So I was able to pack up everything on a weekend, bring my computer out here to Pennsylvania with me, and I've been working every day. You know, a little bit of leave here and there to get mom to appointments and those sorts of things. But other than that, it's been super manageable and pretty easy. Um, What else? So she's rehabilitating really, really well. Not worried about her at all. She's stubborn in a way that if you are a surgeon or a physical therapist, you want a patient to be stubborn. She's actually progressing very, very quickly compared to her peers who have suffered the same injury and same surgical procedure. So it's coming along. The hardest part about this trip, I actually think, is the fact that it's so open-ended. I literally bought a one-way ticket and hopped on a plane and came out here, and I don't exactly know when I will be headed back home to, you know, do all the wonderful things like sleep in my own bed, craft in my own craft room, and those sorts of things. 
but it is what it is, right? Honestly, that is what I've got going on in updates. There's tons of stuff been going on with the girls, tons of stuff going on with the boy. But right now, you know, I have a singular focus and that is being here for my mom and helping her out. And yeah, I've got some interesting little stories about what's been going on here as we progress. So I don't know what segments are coming up, but we will talk about them when we get to them. That's about all I have got for updates. So I guess it's time to get this podcast started. And now it is on to spin a tale. I'm going to tell you a little story about how, you know, just in the heat of the moment with all the stress of everything that's going on, I had the most ridiculous panic ever. And in the end, it's actually quite hilarious. I, of course, as every good crafter does, I had a day and a half to pack and get ready to come on this trip. But I made sure that I had plenty of things to do with my hands because, of course, if I'm visiting my mom in the hospital before she gets released, I'm going to need some knitting. If I'm um, chilling at her place after she's gone to bed and I'm decompressing and I want to have something to do, I brought a spinning wheel. And, you know, you got to have things to do with your hands and keep yourself occupied and decompress and, you know, just do those things that bring you that little bit of joy when the rest of the world's crumbling. So I packed some stuff and not surprisingly, I didn't pack enough. Okay. So, all right. So I brought two beautiful braids of fiber. I brought one from Inglenook Fibers in, I can't even think off the top of my head right now what the um, fiber composition is, but it was this beautiful gradient called Icelandic poppies and it's gorgeous and I love it and I super enjoyed spinning it. So I get about three quarters of the way done with that braid and realize to myself like oh my gosh what like as soon as I finish this braid I'm going to have to stop spinning because what am I going to do with this fiber? I don't have a second bottom to apply it on. I don't have a nitty knotty or a skein winder or anything like that to even get it off of the bobbin. What am I going to do with this? So, of course, I sent a message to the knit group and I'm like, okay, guys, how do I improvise this in a space that isn't mine? And I got a million wonderful suggestions. Wind it into a center pool ball and then apply it from there. You can use this for a nitty knotty. You can do a makeshift. Um bobbin out of anything paper towel holder toilet paper roll etc etc 5.5 ounces i don't think the toilet paper roll cylinder would have worked and i literally had a panic and almost my significant other to mail me a bobbin like how did i forget an extra bobbin but then i was going up stairs into my mother's sewing room and remembered duh this woman spins. (laughs) Like, how did I forget that she spins? How did I forget that she owns like five spinning wheels, right? Like, it was the most ridiculous thing ever that I had such a panic attack. And there are probably like 30 bobbins in this house, uh, several nitty naughties, spinning wheels that I could just spin the fiber off of my bobbin, you know, 
Like, duh. Oh my God. Lazy Kate, the whole nine yards. She has it all. And I really spent like four days in a panic trying to figure out what I was going to do with this yarn I had just spun. And of course, she's got everything covered. So when, of course, once she was out of the hospital at home, she's like, oh, you know, it would be great if you spin on my electric spinning wheel so you can teach me how to use it because she bought it probably, I don't know, a few years ago, pre-pandemic at Maryland Sheep and Wool, I think 2016 but hadn't actually used it. Like she spun on it less than an hour and then kind of put it away and didn't really do anything else with it. And I'm like, uh, yeah, that'd be pretty convenient and quick and easy. Right. And then I can actually teach her how to spin on it. So until she's fully rehabilitated, she can actually spin on the electric spinning wheel while she doesn't exactly have wonderful use of her feet yet. I know, right? I'm an idiot, but that's okay because I have that 5.5 ounces of beautiful fiber from Ingle Nook Fibers. And I will be searching the spinning area later today to find a nitty naughty to pull it off that bobbin so I can start again. Too funny. I just, it cracks me up that it totally just didn't even cross my mind that the woman spins and everything would be fine. And now it is on to spinning my wheels. So yes, I appear to have semi-pod faded again, but I am back again. And so very, very, very much has happened since last time I recorded that I'm really just going to focus on some big stuff. So big stuff. The biggest thing that has happened since last time we spoke is that I have a status update on the dreaded fleece. Yes, I know. Everybody wanted me to stop calling it the dreaded fleece, right? So the dreaded fleece became the fleece formerly known as dreaded, the future beautiful yarn, or future beautiful sweater. So the dreaded fleece is no longer fleece. The dreaded fleece is yarn. The dreaded fleece is lots and lots and lots of yarn. So because I worked on that project over several years on and off, I decided that the best way for me to get the most balanced yarn possible, because there's no way I was consistent in any possible way, shape, or form over that number of years and over that number of bobbins, I decided that how many, oh, how many bobbins did I have? 18, 18 bobbins of singles, two ounce singles on each bobbin. And what I did was I literally numbered them all as I went, and then I chose, I divided it into batches of six, and then spun the first of each of those batches, the second of each of those batches, applied those all together. So it was bobbin one, six, no, I had 15, sorry. So I applied together bobbin one, six, and 11, then two, seven, and 12. And I went through until I spun all or I applied all 15 of those bobbins. And it actually worked out really well because there was definitely a consistency difference between the first like third, middle and the end of those bobbins. It worked out really, really well. But I ended up with more than 2,500 yards of a three ply in a light worsted weight yarn. And then in addition, I had like some bobbins in those sections 
had substantially more leftover on the bobbin than I emptied some bobbins and then some had leftovers. So what I did was went back, did a two ply with the leftovers, and I ended up with about 1,200 yards of fingering weight yarn in addition to that 2,500 yards of the light worsted weight yarn. So I have a ton of yarn. And my next task is to pick a sweater. I'm actually, so I have five months left of this year. I would love it if I could actually pull it off and knit a sweater in those five months. You know how I am. I'm a very slow crafter, pretty slow at just about everything. And it's not like I picked a sweater and brought it with me because I could probably get that done during this little detour in our life at my mom's house, but that's not going to happen. But I, I think I could knit like a whole, a whole ass sweater by the end of the year. That, which would be absolutely fantastic. I'm just super impressed with myself. And there is no such thing as the dreaded fleece anymore. It is now the yarn known as the Future Beautiful Sweater. And I'm super happy. And it's a beautiful color. And that was the first fleece I ever purchased. And I got it in 2010. I just finished it in... I actually finished the singles at the end of 2021. So it took me 11 years of on and off spinning to to spin an entire fleece. And honestly, if I hadn't been so angry at, actually it took me 10 years because I sent it away for processing and got it back in 2011. So if I hadn't been so angry, I think about the processing and how there were sections that were definitely like over-processed and lots of noils and those sorts of things, then it wouldn't have taken me that long. But I did get what I wanted out of that fleece. I refused to abandon it and I figured out how the yarn wanted to be spun and got it done and ended up with lots and lots and lots of beautiful yarn. And I'm super pleased about that. So that's like the big thing, right? That's the big thing that's happened since last time we spoke. I actually finished the dreaded fleece. So finishing the dreaded fleece has actually done something else for me. It has renewed my enthusiasm for spinning because I was spinning minimally because I think I kind of felt guilty for not working on the fleece if I was spinning. But since finishing the dreaded fleece in at the end of 2021 and getting the plying done, I actually didn't get the plying done until February-ish of 2022. Since doing that, I have actually spun quite a bit, mostly small batch stuff, like four to six ounces braids mostly. I did some mini bats, but I'm like scrolling through photos right now trying to give you an estimate of like how much spinning I've actually been doing since the dreaded fleece was complete. So I did a lot of bullseye bumps from loop fiber. I actually spun two different sets of those and they were pretty fantastic. And I had done one a long time ago in the past. I usually end up picking those up at events like at Maryland Sheep and Wool. I always go by their booth and I'll pick a bump. And I think in the past, what I had done was I divided it into sections that were approximately the same length and then did a three ply out of that. But what I actually, and I had taken notes that said, hey, next time chain ply this to keep the gradient color together. And that's what I did. And it worked out really, really well. So I actually did two sets of those bumps and I spun these mini bats. I hadn't spun from a bat in like forever. And that was actually a lot of fun. There were a lot of great little pieces and bits and bobs in that yarn, and it was wonderful. That was something from Hobbledy Foy. And then I, okay, 
So one thing I learned about myself is that what I think might be boring won't actually turn out boring. Yeah, so here's the deal. Sometimes I will just buy something with pretty colors on it, especially if it's like a small event and there aren't very many vendors. I'll go, well, this is a lovely fiber. The colors don't amaze me, but I want to support this vendor who appears to work really hard and, you know, came all the way out to this event for us, right? So I had this stuff that was like mostly white and it had some like splashes of this bright green and bright pink on it. I'm like, nah, not super excited about this, but it's deep stash diving. I will go ahead and spin this. And I, like the whole yarn balanced out into this beautiful like spring garden colors because of the way that the pinks kind of mix with the white and the green mix with the white to fade down to this beautiful pastel three-ply yarn that I am just totally in love with and I cannot wait to knit it. I got to figure out what I'm going to knit it into because it's beautiful. It is gorgeous. If you guys follow me on Instagram, I definitely have posted photos of it. It's lovely. I So now I'm like, well, I'm not going to steer clear of that braid of yarn that's mostly cream because look at those splashes of color. I wonder what it's going to turn out like, right? Okay. So I convinced myself that I was being biased and there's magic in those like lightly splashed braids that are primarily the natural color and yeah, uh, just the magic that unfolded as I was spinning that kept me fully engaged the entire time I was spinning it. I was like so super pleased. And then what else have I spun? I'm looking at this braid. I don't even know what that is. That is really bright, bright summery colors. I'm counting now. <laughs> So I've actually, in the past like four months, spun up six different braids, which is a lot for me, and you know that, six different braids of fiber, various fibers. Most of them are blends. They're like primarily merino, and they've got a little bit of this in it, merino and silk, merino with some tencel and silk in them, those kind of things. But they're just beautifully dyed stuff, wonderful on the hand, and it's pretty fantastic. And I'm really enjoying that. One thing I did do, when I got here was locate, of course, the local yarn store. Yes, there is a local yarn store in this tiny little town in Northwestern Pennsylvania. It's actually where I graduated from high school, but that's neither here nor there. So this shop's changed hands like twice. And the girl that owns the place now is really, really nice. And I will actually link to some of their stuff on the show notes, but I managed to pick up a two ounce braid of BFL that was hand dyed locally also and it's beautiful and I decided even though I brought another braid with me for my deep stash I decided to spin that up second so that's what I'm spinning on right now and this is a variety of colors it's mostly mostly cream but then it's got some red and some gray in it and a little bit of brown and actually as it's spinning up it's kind of starting to look like almost a Neapolitan ice cream, but I'll have to wait to see how it flies, but I'm really enjoying it. And it's a easy spin. It's well-processed and beautifully dyed. And I'm super pleased. Except I did tell the girl in the store when I was looking at it that she needs to tell the dyer that her prices are way below market and she's underselling herself. So $8, eight bucks for a hand dyed two ounce braid of this hand dyed fiber. And I was shocked. I'm like, it's like, 16 bucks for four ounces and that's compared to what the rest of the market is doing that's underpriced and she's devaluing her own work and I think it's beautiful and I I mean 
I mean, if you feel bad about charging more, throw an extra two bucks on there or something. But I just felt like for her time and effort, that's nowhere near even like minimum wage for the work that she's doing. So, but yeah, beautiful stuff. Great little yarn store in this town. And I'm super happy that I was able to go and support the local economy and get some stuff done. So, wow. Yeah. So that's been a lot about spinning 13 whole minutes of it. And there hasn't been a whole lot else going on. I am working on several knitting patterns and I'm totally in love actually with uh, Madeline Tosh Farm Twist yarn right now. I did release a couple of patterns over the past 12 months and I can link to those in the show notes. But Madeline Tosh Farm Twist, uh, I think it's Farm Twist DK. It's a beautiful yarn and the put up of that yarn really, really, really makes textured stitches pop. I absolutely love it. And if you know anything about me and any of the garbage that I've been designing, uh, that's kind of my thing. I really love texture. I really love texture that has high contrast. And the Mad Tosh Farm Twist is absolutely perfect for it. And if you guys know of any other amazing yarns that are readily available that have that same kind of pop, and add that kind of extra something to a textured fabric, I would absolutely love to hear about that. And that would be fantastic. So I've got three hats in the works. And of course, that was one thing that I can't really fix now that I'm here. I'm like looking at my stuff. I've got like this scrappy kind of yarn that I'm kind of swatching with. And I only brought one skein of the yarn that I actually want to do the finished product in. I'm like, how? How did I do that? How did I? forget the yarn but I guess I'll have to give myself some grace and be a little forgiving because you know the old lady broke her hip and and here I am I packed pretty quickly it's all right that's about what I've got going on and spinning my wheels all right and next I am all spun up so one of the things I'm going to do right now is I'm going to take you on a little audio tour of my mother's big old rambly house. So it's an interesting story. Maybe one day if we're hanging out over beers, I will tell you how my mother came to live in this home. There's like no family connection or anything like that. It's just weird. I'm sure you've all heard of multi-level homes. If not, let me give you a little synopsis. Typically a multi-level home isn't just like a two-story house. Like a two-story house is a two-story. A ranch is a single level that's more sprawling. A multi-level home typically has like an entryway level and then you go one direction and you end up on another floor and the other direction you go down. There's like a middle, not really three stories, but there's a middle, a lower level, and an upper level. So I was doing the math earlier today and I'm heading up a, a set of stairs right now. My mother's rambly multi-level home has five levels. You walk in on the entry level and the kitchen and the dining room are there. And that's the main level of the house. And the, the rest of the home kind of circuitously goes to five different levels. You take the steps by the main door, you go up to the like third level. There's a living room and some bedrooms. If you go the other way and take the stairs through the dining room side, you end up in the afterthought office, which goes up again 
to the main level with the bedrooms. But you'll find another staircase that goes up to what I'm standing in right now, which is my mother's sewing room. And then inside the sewing room, there is another set of stairs, which goes up to her fiber room. So my uncle actually redid the walls in this little room. So this is like the, the attic level. It's got the arch ceilings from the roof and the most beautiful wood paneling he put up, all natural wood, wood color that's all been sealed. And there's like one of those, a couple of those attic windows that kind of stick out the side. And she's got the lowest level of where that roof angle hits. She's got bookshelves surrounding that whole bottom portion of this room. I'd say this room is at least 15 by 25 feet. But it's kind of a wreck. So, <laughs> Ooh, there's, there's a lot of stuff up here. She hasn't been up here in a while. But this is where I found all of those spinning wheels. So my mother, she, for whatever reason, she fell in love with the Wooly Ann electric spinning wheel by the, wool, the guys that do the Wooly Winder. And that's what she has. She has an antique wheel that I have absolutely no clue what it is. Yeah, no idea. There's no markings on it or anything. She also owns a Sequoia spinning wheel, a Louette hat box that I refurbished for her. How did I forget the woman spins? When I refurbished a hat box spinning wheel for her. Oh, and then she's got an old uh, Ashford Traveler. And just like all this stuff, so I'm up here right now. Oh, look at that. I see a skein winder. Awesome. So that's fantastic. I'm going to need that here in a little bit. Um, I was looking for a nitty naughty because I, when I take things off a bobbin that I've spun, I definitely prefer to use a nitty naughty to get them off of a bobbin. So I'm roaming around on the fifth level of my mom's rambly old house. Those are her words. Looking to see what's here. She said she doubts I'll be able to find a, a mini naughty because she has no idea where she would have put it. And I doubt that. I, I, I totally 100% agree that I will probably never find the nitty naughty up here. She said she knows exactly where one is, but it's got some yarn on it. So I took that as a hint that she doesn't want me to touch it. She wants me to leave it exactly how it is. But I, you know, I had to come up and check on all her crafty stuff because it's going to be a while before she is up here on the fifth level of her home because she's kind of relegated to the first floor right now, which is cool because there's like a whole bathroom. There was a relatively recently refinished bedroom or refinished room that is now temporarily a bedroom. Full bath, that's where the kitchen and dining room are. So she's kind of got everything she needs in one place. She, of course, like me, is itching to get back to her own bed. And hopefully here in the next few weeks, she'll be able to do that. And I think I'm about to move us outside to the, uh, so you can hear some of the sounds of my mom's rambly old yard as we 
get ready to spin off this episode. Well, it looks like it's time to spin off this episode of Spin Control. So I've taken you out into the backyard of my mom's rambly old house to hang out in her rambly old woods here for a minute. So the town that I spent my high school years in is right on the edge of the Allegheny National Forest and right where the Conowango Creek and the Allegheny Rivers converge. So it's pretty small, pretty rural, and pretty lovely. We don't live here because there really aren't jobs or the kind of future that I had in mind. It's not available here in uh, Warren County, Pennsylvania. Um, A lot of industry and jobs left here. Some stuff has come back, like new stuff has come here, like there's a bank headquarters in town and those sorts of things. But it just isn't the same. So when I went to high school here, graduated in the 90s, there were more than 12,000 people in the town, and now there are about 8,000. So the town is shrinking because jobs are leaving and those sorts of things. But if you can kind of hear in the background, there's a lot of stuff here we don't have in Colorado. Like, can you hear all the nature? Every day, greeted by birds and bugs and all sorts of lovely little things. My mom's little plot on the edge of town, like it's right on the edge of town. You just go up a street off the main drag and there's my mom's house on top of this hill right outside of this other neighborhood, part of the neighborhood, but it backs up to these beautiful, like about four acres worth of woods. Every morning I'm greeted by uh, two doe and a fawn who are hanging out in the yard, eating from my mother's garden and the breeze is blowing you can hear the beautiful aspens rustling and there's just a lot going on this is it's pretty quiet in our nature which i enjoy in colorado like the silence at night is fantastic and the beautiful skies and the mountain views i miss those i just thought i would share this with you thank you everybody for tuning in returning every time you get the chance and the plan is i will be recording again in another two weeks Thank you all for tuning in and sticking with me all this time. And as always, you can get the details about this episode and all the past episodes at spincontrolpodcast.com. You can email me at shiloh at foreverhandmade.com. Stock me on Ravelry and Instagram as foreverhandmade. Thanks again, guys. I'll talk to you soon.